This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Brand new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. We are two weeks from the NBA trade deadline, and my name is Brian Robb. Bring you aboard another regular Chris Forsberg, NBC Sports Boston, because Chris, today, it's the point guard discussion. You had a great piece on NBC Sports Boston on Marcus Smart and his future of the Celtics. I wrote something today on Dennis Schroeder and whether his future in Boston could potentially go a lot farther than most people anticipate. And so that's where we start today. I think, honestly, it's probably the biggest question for this team heading in to the trade deadline. So let's start with Smart, though. Let's start with your piece and where things stand after his glorious return these, this past week where he's, what, uh, plus 72 in the, the last two games here? Ooh. Yeah, and so, like, I'll relent that some of that is probably the strength of competition and uh, the Wizards and Sacramento Kings don't play a lot of defense, so maybe it looked a little better than just uh, just like a magical boost from Marcus's return. But it did make me think, you know, I think in both those games, and I know people, you can love or hate the uh, potential assist column, but Marcus had 12 potential assists in each of those games, and I thought he really tried to push the pace he tried to make the right play, and especially in that Kings game, he throttled down his shot attempts and was just content to play defense and feed everybody else. And that is the best version of Marcus Smart. Now, can is that sustainable? We'll find out. You know, we'll find out pretty quick too. There's like a lot of good teams coming up, a lot of good offensive teams, uh, a lot of good defensive teams, especially with Miami on the horizon. So, uh, how did the Celtics fare? And does the offense still run good against better opponents? You know, we'll know that pretty quickly. But the one thing I keep coming back to as, uh, as we kind of assess this trade deadline is the Celtics aren't trading Jason Tatum. They're not trading Jalen Brown and they're not trading Robert Williams, barring like something completely unforeseen, some yeah. superstar becoming available, all that. But, you know, so that makes Marcus Smart your most tradable asset. You know, you haven't developed your young guys. You don't have any glitzy draft picks. So Marcus Smart is probably the piece that can get you the most return. So they have to entertain every idea. But I just feel like if you're going to be a defensive minded team, if you're still not sure if this is four man core is what you're riding forward with and you maybe want a little bit more time, I guess I'd be surprised if they make a move. And I don't know if I felt that way a couple of weeks ago. I probably thought maybe, you know, geez, tear this thing down. It looks awful. And I don't want to let two games start to change the way I look at it. But when they have been healthy, they've been very good. The numbers are good. Uh, so before we even get into Schroeder, I guess, where's your head at with Smart? And if I told you, so here's, here's, the, here's the, the part I, I wrestle with. And I think, if I'm being honest, I think the front office is wrestling with this. If a team comes along and says, we can offer you a first-round draft pick for Marcus Smart to at least start the conversation, where are you at? Are you, uh, are you that, like, it's time to move on from Marcus Smart? Or are you on the, let's see this thing a little bit further? I'm on the, I mean, where's that first-round pick, I guess, is my, my next it's, part it, of the question. It's a, it's a like, contender, right? No, yeah, no so it's like early 20s. Yeah. We'll say that. Like maybe unprotected, but like this team is definitely making the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm aligned lines. You're like I, if you, you you look at these last two games. You're like you're gonna take the bait. You're gonna take the bait from like uh, and then I mean the numbers as you point out in your in your article of the starting five and you know the, the core four together with you know Smart and those guys they're pretty good. They're pretty damn good when you and Smart to his credit in these games really embracing the facilitator role, not taking shots again. Good things happening when Smart's not forcing that stuff, but also you're facing two teams that are maybe playing as bad as anyone in the league right now in the Wizards and the Kings. So um, it's nice that there are two weeks left and there is a better lineup of teams to face to better, to, to kind of 
assess on the fly here. Okay, are these was this just two hot shooting nights for the Jays and everything looked well, or is this you know smart fully buying into his facilitator role, albeit a little bit late this season? Um, but if he starts to do that, if they win, if they go to five out of six, like I think you can start to say, okay, what can we change around the rest of the roster? Like kind of go further down the list right. and keep smart in that role as a, that you know as a the defensive stalwart and a facilitator. And so then that plays into what you wrote about Schroeder, right? And this is part of the, the whole Marcus Smart conversation to me is the Celtics must have at least some idea about what their plan is moving forward with the point guard's position. And maybe that's, hey, it's Marcus until we figure something else out. Or maybe it's, you know, we really want to go after Bradley Beal. Maybe it's we really want to bring back Dennis Schroeder. And if you feel any of those things, you know, like if you feel like Marcus Smart isn't your guy long term, then there's more motivation to move him. And maybe that helps you make that decision. But in, it, it, the, the curious thing for me is, OK, so Schroeder's had some really good performances, mostly in spot starts. But the numbers still haven't been as good as the Marcus and Jays when Schroeder's out there. And I think part of it is stylistically, as much as he's a nice luxury as a score, it, it, it doesn't fight quite fit at times. Now, when he's attacking and dishing and, and doing all those things, when if you could get him to embrace the Marcus Smart way of playing right now, maybe it would. But I don't know if that was what Dennis Schroeder wants to do long term. So I'm still very much in the camp of uh, it's time to to move on from Schroeder. And I get why they, they rolled the dice with it. But um, and I'd even be okay if they carried him through to the end of the year. If you're just if you're just sort of shrugging your arms and saying second round draft pick doesn't matter, we're just gonna ride it out with this core and keep as much talent and see what happens and we'll figure it all out in the summer. Um, but I, I I think I told you offline we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and I said it's 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 been a little weird it, 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 even as the all of us have sort of sat here saying like oh it makes sense just move on from Dennis Schroeder. I've heard internally there is some support for keeping him around. And I don't know if that's beyond this season. I think it's more first-year coaching staff that clearly wants to go for it. You've got Brad Stevens, who historically doesn't like the idea of just, like, selling off pieces and just, like, trying to ride those veterans. So I think there is some internal support. But I think everybody also understands, like, eventually you got to clear some space for the young guys, too, and, and figure this thing out. So there's a tough balance there that they're, they're trekking. I think what the best point you made was, you know, the start of the year, we're like, oh, there's no way the Celtics can get him back for $7 million. Now you start looking around the league and you're like, maybe that's not as much of a slam dunk as we think. And and maybe they do have to consider it because of the how difficult it's going to be to supplement this core, uh, no matter what path they, they choose. Right. I mean, you you look at just the options they have in free agency going forward and the talent train. And even mm-hmm. if you don't think he's your long, long-term answer, just letting a guy walk for a second round pick, like, what is that? do for you in the big picture if there is any chance that he might resign or any chance that you might use smart in a trade in the offseason and then could use another you know a cheaper replacement that you don't have to use your mid-level exception for so i think that to your point like you have to a lot of this goes into the long-term planning right now and i think schroeder's market this offseason even if there was cap room i don't think there would be a huge one there because the point guard position on lorana league is incredibly deep and mm-hmm. he's a, a flawed player, um, a useful one, but a flawed one, one that most teams aren't going to hand this, the keys in the starting lamp to. And so from that standpoint, you look at where the Celtics are at and what it might cost to retain him. And then you think like, it's not just like, it's not like a shot in the dark. It's like, no, this is like, I think this could be end up being his best option to get 
even a little bit of a raise because you talk to you look at a guy like Jeff Green. Once you like fall off right. like that, you know, big money stage, like getting back into the mid-level exception picture, it's not easy. You're not going to build yourself more of a market there. And I don't think Schroeder's done anything this year to really make a huge demand for him. And I, Mike, I'm I'm curious where you know he is now. And certainly, like coming into the year, he probably felt like, oh, I need to reestablish my value. And he sort of said as much in in your article that you know you missed out on that bag. And naturally, you're like, how do I get back to that? But he's also made a good amount of money in his career. And at this point, I do think when you get to that age, you you probably start thinking about the bigger picture and where can I compete and you know what gets me that big next contract. Well, it might not be scoring 20 points per game for a terrible team. It might be being a core piece of a, of a championship contender. And so he's going to have to balance all that. And it'll be a very interesting off season for him. Um, I, I, I just wonder, you know, if, if the Celtics have a priority, if, 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 will the Celtics get to the point where they prioritize playing the young kids enough that they just have to swallow hard and, you know, ignore that fact. Again, it would help if you knew what, what is coming next, but I think there's so many variables involved that that adds a layer of complication. It's just another reason I don't think we're going to see a whole lot as much as that as they're active talking to teams i think it's a whole different level of actively talking to teams and then being willing to pull that trigger and make a move uh and the inconsistencies haven't helped and just i, I don't envy brad stevens position because there's just like in past years i thought it was as simple as guineas needs to try and make a move and would he go to the price that it would cost to get a harrison barnes or whatever this year it's not nearly as clear cut and uh it's it can't be easy for him to try to figure this thing out let's and on that, like, let's talk about the young guys for a second in terms of where they're at. Everyone's shown some flash here and there, and most of them have shown, you know, the worst of what they can be this year, too. Are where are they good enough to clear veterans out for them? And just in terms of, like, do you think the Celtics need that information this second half of the season to figure out, like, what they have? Or is that just going to be a situation where like, you know what, Pritchard useful, Romeo and Aaron, like, who knows if they're good enough and guess what, if we give them more minutes and they stink, well then we're in even an even worse spot because then mm-hmm. like what value do they have in the first place anyway? And now we have even more of a talent drain. So I like, where, where do you think, like, where do you fall on that front? Cause it's clear now, like Ime, like where they stand in the pegging order right now, they're just going to be wild cards. If anything, in the rotation going forward. I mean, if, if Peyton has to wait till nine minutes left in a 50 point game to get his <laughs> call, like, which Absolutely blew my mind that those guys weren't in there to start the fourth quarter. And I know Aaron got in there a little bit earlier. Horford played 30 minutes in that game. Unbelievable. And he was one of nine. Like, what are we doing? I know they had two days afterward. I'm sure that's part of the reasoning. But, oh, my God. Um, So, yeah, if I'm one of those young guys, I'm not particularly bullish on this team going all in. You have a coach that clearly prioritizes veterans right now. And you have a general manager, when he was the coach, prioritized veterans. So either Brad has to alter the way he thinks and force Ime's hand, or Ime has to just relent. And I think, especially if they have continue to have a surge here in the next week, it's going to be really difficult for him to do that. He's going to lead on Richardson. He's going to lean on Schroeder. He's going to lean on Al. And it's just he's just not going to get to that point until the Celtics either decide as an organization they need to throttle backwards a little bit and be okay with some extra bumps in the road and just lean into those young guys. And to bring this conversation full circle, I think that's part of the conversation with Marcus Smart. I'm not trading Marcus Smart unless I'm willing after that to trade more veteran pieces and embrace the youth. Because it can't just be like a one-off. You can't just trade Marcus Smart and then be like, yeah, we're still riding forward with Josh Richardson and Dennis Schroeder. Like, to me, that doesn't make sense. Like, you're sacrificing the now and not building for the future. You, 
it all comes back to something I've said repeatedly since they've started this bumbling ways, you know, early in the season. You have to pick a path. And I think this might be the Boston's biggest difficulty right now is that it's Ime's a first year coach and feels this inherent pressure to win, especially in this city. Brad Stevens is a first year GM who feels a pressure after not living up to expectations last year. And it's going to be difficult for both of them to think differently and think outside the box than they normally have. And I think that's that all works against the youth. All that being said, I think if they could step back and see the forest from the trees, you, you need to understand like whatever comes next hinges so much on developing young talent or at least figuring out what you've got. And I'd hate to see them get win a playing game and get bounced in round one and then say, well, we still don't know what Romeo Langford is. He's due $5 million. What are we doing? Or, you know, or to deal Aaron Neesmith because he's just not getting any playing time here and you haven't been able to figure out what he is. And so you're just like, like trade him. Although I will say, if you're just not going to play him and they have some value, then just move him because yeah. it's just not going to happen here. And at least I can sit here and be angry when Aaron Neesmith develops into Duncan Robinson and, gen- and at least we can just move on. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's just, I, it, it, I, I get why it's difficult, but it is infuriating when you consider the fact that this is a 500 team. I agree 100% with that. And to your point on like Neesmith for the younger guys, that's why you can't, you know, even if you don't pick a path, like picking a path is like selling, getting what you can get for the young guys now, like that's a path. Yeah, and that's, that's a path true. that, like, like even if you, it's like eighty cents on the dollar for those guys, because guess what? If they're not playing the second half of the season, all that value is just doing is going down or staying staying put. And I mean, picking up the five million dollar on option on Romeo made sense at the time. Is he going to get that money? What he got that money based on this season? No way. Probably not. Not even close. And so, yeah, his value is probably shot. Neesmith and Pritchard. Probably too early to tell. Is is there a team or two who look at those guys, especially Neesmith, who they're like, you know, is even more of a mystery this year, I think, and be like, hey, we could we could turn that guy into something if we we got in the system and able to be able to give him minutes and develop him. Then you should probably take what you can get there if you're not mm-hmm. going to be moving any of the other pieces. And, and so I, that's what what it comes down to, I think. And maybe they're sweeteners in a in another deal. So maybe you right. you're willing to move. Al Horford and you're trying to get something back that maybe can help you now, can help you later. And so you have to throw in an Aaron Neesmith because the team taking him on is like, well, all we're getting is maybe a little cap relief with Al and that's still going to, they still got to eat 14 and a half million next year if they move, if they cut bait with him. So I just think all this stuff is very difficult. I don't see any, one of the hard parts I have when I look around the league is finding like obvious trade partners for the Celtics. Yeah. They can move Schroeder and send out, you know, uh, some money to pay for his salary or, or move Bull Bull and, 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 and PJ Dozier and, 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 and get rid of, get off those deals. But um, there's nothing like, you know, bigger splash that I say, this makes sense for both sides. And, uh, you know, I think that's what, what, what the biggest trouble that, that Brad Stevens is going to ro- roll into. I do, I don't want to hijack your show here, but I do want to know, because I always find this fascinating. If, if you were, if, 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 if we put, if we promoted GM Brian Robb, uh, in place of Brad Stevens in the trade deadline, what's your what is your preferred overall path? What would you do? I think the preferred overall path is um, going like taking a step back in the present. Um, I think getting what you can get for you don't have to trade everyone, if, but getting what you can get for those guys, getting the better draft pick this year, um, 
you know, if you, you know, you could obviously still make a plan, even if you move a bunch of these guys. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you at least have a better idea of where you stand with your whole roster. If particularly if you're not interested in having the veterans you have in supporting roles, be a part of the long term. Do I think that's realistic? Do I think that they're going to go that direction? Probably not based on the track record of the people involved right now. But I think, I mean, there's certain guys, I mean, like, like Ennis Freedom, like there's no like guys like that to me, like, even if you can't transfer, even if the pay to get him out of here, like you're not doing it. Move on. It's like, dude, and I'll give you me a credit. This he, he has stopped playing. We, 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 we've talked about this for a while. He, he did stop playing him as of, as of Sunday. And the problem is for the, the time being is that his rotation is not exactly feasible to have Horford and Rob start um, and have them split 48 minutes. But that's where, hey, Brad Stevens, go get uh, yeah. a playable backup center. Maybe if you want to, like, go for it now, like, make your roster make more sense for the present. And then you can say, okay, we can have a better gauge in what this group can actually be because given, obviously, all the health issues and COVID and stuff like that, it's not to say that that's totally, you know, we don't play the excuse game here, but yeah, like if, if they show in the next two weeks before the trade deadline that what they're doing is a little bit more sustainable, then that's what makes sense for this group now if you're not going to go in the other direction. Yeah, and and so like it's so funny because there's probably been four times in this season where I said, okay, the next four games are going to tell me what we're going to do here for a path, and, and I, we're just running out of time. And unfortunately, to this point, the indication is that there's no end to the roller coaster. Now, am I more hopeful based on these two games? Of course, because they've looked better than they ever had in this stretch. And all that, despite the fact that Ime still hasn't figured out to take Al Horford out of the starting lineup and put Grant Williams in there. So, like, there's still moves. Do you think that's a pride thing right now? Like, what do you think is, you think that's like, I I can't lose Al. Like, we can't bring Al off the bench. I, I think, honestly, I think it's just the starter numbers have been so good that, you know, he took the first step. He did took all of our advice because all of us wrote it on the same day and was like, hey, you know, and and I think he said, all right, I can't break up the starting unit yet, but I'm going to stagger him from there and make sure that we're not playing any other big because there's no one else I trust on this roster right now, unless Ennis can play against another like bruiser, and which is fine. Like Ennis can ride out the year being the bruiser, like Embiid's in town. Great. Ennis gets like 15 minutes. Like that's, that's a factor. And hopefully they'll have another big that they, that unlike Bruno Fernando, that they are, comfortable going to after the deadline that can sort of bridge those minutes when Al and uh, Rob aren't out there or if for whatever reason, if someone gets in foul trouble or for just a bad matchup, whatever the case may be. But I, I, I do think it's part, there's just a loyalty to a veteran. Um, I do think there's part, it's just like Al has been good at everything besides shooting the ball. But when offense is your number one hindrance right now, it, it, it is sort of mind numbing to me that you don't at least try it. Now I will say, he may had Grant in there at the closing time to the first half the other night. It's clear he's he sees it. It's not like someone in this building isn't telling him that this would be a lot better, that the numbers are far more juiced when you have another shooter on the floor. Um, but and, and so maybe it'll come to a point where it's just, you know, the issue gets forced. Maybe Al will get injured or Al needs to downshift because he's playing 30 minutes a night and probably in a blowout win. And, you know, that'll resolve itself. But, or maybe the trade deadline will, will do it. But um yeah it's it's a little bit it's a little bit baffling and so i again i, I it's why i'm, I'm sort of i'm I, I just hope they don't get stuck in that sort of where you're hopeful that this team will make a surge so you're sacrificing the potential future gains 
and you know like move Schroeder and bring back a center but th- does that really change the calculus of the team or the trajectory no it's still it's still flawed and so um yeah I, I don't envy the position they're in but um sometimes you have to make tough decisions about the direction and that's gonna be tough Brad put this roster together he wants to see it succeed he may loves the veterans he, he wants to see them you know he wants to play those guys and so uh, getting everybody on board with 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 what might be the uh, the preferred path uh, is hard, but you know maybe they'll rip off three more wins in this stretch. Maybe Jason Tatum will continue, as Brad Stevens said on the radio this morning, to throw fire, and uh, maybe it makes it easier to lean a little bit heavier into just keeping this group together, and you know maybe trying to seek uh, either either riding it out with the with the veterans or or uh, or pulling the or pulling the trigger on uh, smaller deals. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm slightly conflicted. I mean, Jason Tatum playing like an MVP candidate does solve a lot of problems. Like, does cover up a lot of things. It, and, it, is, uh, it is truly amazing, right? Like, that all it took for the Celtics to look like the Celtics was Jason Tatum going back to being Jason Tatum a little bit. And, yeah. I, I mean, I, you've probably seen the numbers. Like, cleaning the glass right now, their expected win total is minus 4.1. So, essentially, that means if the Celtics had won all the games they should have won based on their point differential, they'd be 29-20 and 20 right now. We'd feel a whole lot different about the trade deadline if they were right behind Milwaukee and, and right there with Brooklyn and, you know, but unfortunately that's, they haven't been, and we know the reasons why, and the, as good as their point differential is, and it's slightly juiced from the last few nights, is, uh, you know, they're not that team. And so uh, either they've got to get to that level where they play with more consistency, which I'm not sold on through two games, uh, or they, they, you know, they, uh, uh, or, or they just got to show it over a longer period. Uh, or else I, I just can't buy in fully. Yeah, four games would do it. That would be an all-time high for them this year in terms of consistency. <laughs> All right, I wanna, let's, we're going to finish up with a little trade rumor roundup in a second here. But Ooh. first, we're going to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online, who would like to continue to wish you, Chris, a very happy new betting year Ooh. as the NFL playoffs continue. And Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year with a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today, receive your 50% off welcome bonus on that first deposit. Use the promo code TONS50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, Vegas casino games, don't take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. It's BetOnline where the game starts. Okay. I had, I, I had Kings plus 52 and got burnt on that one. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, you should have parlayed that a little bit. Oh, my God. I think they were up They were up like 20 in Atlanta last night and then lost by 30. Hilarious. So like, they, they had a 30-point first quarter, and I said, oh, my God. And my, like, what an infuriating team to watch to be this roller coaster. And I was like, oh, no, we know how that feels. Yes. Yeah. That is... We live that every day. Exactly. All right. So there have been some rumors out there in the last 24, 48 hours, uh, some involving guys we've mentioned. Smart, obviously. Um, one name keeps resurfacing. And I got to bring it up because this was formerly one of my guys. And when you're Daniel Tice, the Celtics kicking the <laughs> yeah. tires on Daniel Tice just months after literally giving him away and paying <laughs> off his salary uh, to the Chicago Bulls in a, in a move that I think it's fair to know that Brad Stevens was, was blindsided by, uh, as he was quoted uh, after the trade deadline uh, <laughs> last March. What, makes sense of this, Chris Forsberg. What, Daniel Tice, I assume this is a situation where the Celtics somehow get to move Horford and you're looking for the backup center of your future, maybe? I don't know. This is How many, what, what's, 
Tyson's contract situation? How many years? Is it like four years, 32 million, I believe. And I'm not sure if all that's guaranteed, but I think a lot of it is. And what would be hilarious is if they traded, uh, somehow traded Al Horford uh, for Daniel Tice and then started Tice in a two big lineup with Rob yeah. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, I, then I would be completely, you know, like, look, I think we all love Tice and what he brought. Uh, I struggle to understand the reasons besides wanting to get off long-term money that that Houston be, would be willing to do that, but, um, and I think would be a little, you know, not great. Like, look, I'll say this. I, I like, I, I've also thought it's like going to be difficult for the Celtics to trade Al Horford. Uh, but I hope there was a conversation when he signed here or when he got traded here that said like, Hey, we don't really know which way this is going. And if we're going to clear cap space, or if we're going to put ourselves in position to be, uh, make a bigger deal over the summer, you might have to be moved. And so I hope he's at least braced himself for that possibility. Uh, I think he would be very disappointed to have to end up in Houston where he'd just be relegated to the OKC rehab program part two. Um, and I don't know if Daniel Tice changes the trajectory of your year at all. You're not, you're not starting him. It's a nice, it's a, it's a serviceable big off the bench, but uh, unless you're leaning into Grant and figuring out some more backup four minutes somewhere else, uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to believe this. I think we all have a propensity uh, to, to look at guys that used to play in Boston and dream of ways to get them back. And I wonder if this is more, well, Daniel Tice doesn't make sense for the, for the Houston Rockets right now. Maybe Boston will go get him. Yeah. I, I think the only way something like that, like it has to be part of a much bigger deal involving yeah. it, like with other parts going Eastern, maybe a three team thing where it's like, okay, so who's taking Horford? Like that could use Horford, who, and then that, so but can we do that for a second? I know you want to get to, to, to the to the to the other rumors, but who is taking Horford? Well, that's your deal? problem. Right now. I don't I don't see that team. I really don't. Unless Golden a, the Celtics. I mean, Golden State is the one that made sense at the beginning of the year, but then you look. I guess they have been kind of up and down lately. So you wonder if they'll they'll be like, hey, this is a guy. You know, if you guys really want to go for it this year, you know, having Al Horford off your bench or in place of Looney for twenty minutes a game, right. like that, that's a pretty big luxury the problem is now like who like who are they moving out like in that yeah. deal because it's like wiggins is too good he's not going anywhere this year and then everyone else on that team that i think they consider moving makes so much less money it's hard to find a match there so unless you're getting you're doing some you know funny business with a 13 involved it's 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 really tough to find a team that's willing to able to take on that kind of money during this season yeah, I, I just keep going back to this. I know, I know why the Celtics would have interest in moving off of Al Horford's money and the whole potential to to, to help maneuver this summer. But I just don't. I, I've really I've struggled when those rumors first. It's came gonna out. have to be a bad like, team. It's gonna have to be a bad team that just is like yeah. getting something out of it. Whether it's you know, is it worth getting off of Al Horford and like being like, hey, how about Aaron Neesmith with him, and we'll take back one of your bad contracts that might be more useful to us than what, what if you trade? What if you traded Al Horford to Oklahoma City? Yeah. <laughs> is that even legal? Can I don't think it's legal up? yet. They can't do that yet. You got to go full calendar year. Oh, yeah. Full calendar. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. So I, we, I, they I, can do that in the next offseason. They can do that. But they can't <laughs> do that yet. But, yeah. yeah, that's so. And then, so, yeah, I think it's like if you look at the the dominoes of the trade deadline for Southern, it's like, okay, question one, can you move Al Horford? If the answer is no, okay, go to question two. Like, what value can you, you get for, like, smart – Richardson and Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Once you answer that question, okay, does anyone like your young guys? Okay, and then you look at all those answers, and then you try to map it out. Yep. And the, the, it's a real possibility that none of those answers are very appetizing for making moves. And 
then you throw in the, the luxury tax stuff into play and things get more interesting. But um, that is like, like you said, the, the best thing, the no best path, thing that no path. the best path for the Celtics in the next two weeks is, is a, like a, is a contender having an injury. You know, like yeah. when, when Rubio went down in Cleveland, we all said, oh, maybe Dennis Schroeder ends up there. And like, unfortunately, the only way you're going to juice the, tra- the trade value of the guys you have is that they become a luxury for a team that needs a power forward like Al or defensive-minded guy or like someone needs a defensive stopper like Marcus and is willing to splurge maybe a bit more. And even then, I think it's a tough conversation, especially with Marcus. I'm just, I don't know. Every time I try to even wrap my head around Marcus, I just can't get to the point where I'm like, yeah, that would make sense for the Boston Celtics. And so I always invariably just say no. Hold on. You can always figure these things out over the summer, too. You might need Al Horford's contract to make a deal. You might need Josh Richardson to make a deal. And so uh, while I want them to clear some space for the young guys, um, I also understand that like this might be a quiet deadline. And all, the, all these talks might not lead to a whole lot of action. But give me some Wait, more rumors. Yeah. So did you see? So there was, I think, in Bleacher Report today, a reported before the Hawks traded Cam Reddish, mm-hmm. there were talks about Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter for Smart that did not progress, supposedly. What was your initial thoughts when seeing like something like that as like a, a theoretical, this is is this the type of offer that they're getting for Smart right now? Yeah, I I think that probably would have requested more than Smart in that deal, if I'm being honest. Like I know I know uh you know Reddish didn't have a huge trade value, but um yeah, I think I just think and it was funny because like last year I actually thought the Hawks were the perfect spot for Marcus Smart. I was like, oh you know Young team sort of needs that boost to get over the top. Turns out I was wrong. They right. were perfectly <laughs> fine. They they went to the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Like you know they they and I don't know if necessarily they they'd even be interested in that now. But like again, every contender is always going to want a defensive boost and a veteran like Smart, which then should make the Boston Celtics say, do we really want to move Marcus Smart? You know, do, is he more valuable to us than what we get in return? And uh, like Herder and all that. But um, I, I think it, it's it's at least. Those are the type of deals you have to have at least have a conversation about and think about. Um, but whether you get to the whether you get to the point where you pull the trigger is a whole other whole other ball of wax. Yeah, there's no question about that. Did um, you make that trade? I, I, I'm with you. I would have thought about it. I would have been if it was straight up and there was nothing the Celtics had to send with Smart. I'd be like, I I think pretty hard because a herder is signed for a few years, and I think that is a type of player where you yeah like that's the perfect type of shooter you need around right. jason and jalen the question is are you going to like you know obviously that's a pretty considerable step back defensively and so what you know what's worth more to your franchise right now that's it might just be a step sideways and in which yeah. case like well where do you where do you going to begin with so but that's certainly a type of a player you want to have your eye on if you're going to make the move with him, I think. Can 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 Luke Kennard stop making so many three pointers this week? <laughs> like, I, I thought maybe there was a chance the team that's yeah. in a tough spot too that the Celtics could sort of sneak in. When he was on the free agent market a couple of years ago, I thought it was you know would have been perfect to find a shooter like that. And now all of a sudden he's leading them back from thirty down and hitting game winners, and I'm like, damn, there's no way they're trading them now. So, uh, not everything is just breaking wrong for the Celtics this week. Besides winning two games. Well, yeah. So here's what's going to happen then. Like, you bring up the Clippers and just knowing Brad Stevens, what he's done so far as GM. So they're going to – they'll trade for Tice. Um, they'll get they'll get Marcus <laughs> Morris back. And um, they'll, they'll keep searching the market. Evan Turner comes out of retirement. And then they'll, they'll just try to, you know, create some magic. I was going to say, uh, how do we trade for Rogier? 
Uh, essentially, the 2018-19 Celtics minus Kyrie and Gordon because that's what yeah. got you to the Eastern that's Conference Finals. That's a dream. Yeah. That's a dream team. So I'm just, I'm just saying, we'll, 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 let's make that a reality. All right. Well, we're we got two weeks left here. Um, the rumors will not stop at this point, but we'll be around. Did you, did you see John Hollinger? Did you see John Hollinger mention Devontae Graham as a potential option? I, I want to say I didn't because that would have, yeah, like. I don't. I mean, what is what is Devonte Graham? I, 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 it just my mind went there when we talked talking Terry and and uh, I, you know I, I get it. What do you think about the whole Dallas scuttlebutt with with the Dallas uh, makes Brunson? sense. I mean, that's where he's from, and they could obviously use a guy like him. So like, and there's at least a couple intriguing names down there. I don't know if they're willing to move or not, but like Brunson and Finney Smith and Cleaver, like all those guys. Yeah, like you could I could see some sort of deal coming together there that makes sense for both sides it's interesting because like i i just thought mark cuban would never trade cleaver and you know maybe he gets to the point where he's okay with that um i like jalen brunson i don't know if it's the ideal fit um it's a it's probably a big step back defensively right and yeah. from Marcus smart but i certainly like the, the player what is he going to earn this off season um can you is, are you willing to pay that um, so, you know, there's a lot of question marks there. I, I, I get that. That one makes sense geographically, just with the, you know, I'm sure Marcus, he always plays well in Dallas and Oklahoma city and all that. Um, but I don't know. I still, I still, I just can't, I haven't got, I haven't, no one has hit me with a Marcus Smart trade offer that I said, yes, that makes sense until the NEA swoops in with two first round picks. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, two first round and then, picks and Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I, I'm trying, I keep trying to think the shooter you could pluck out of Utah. Um, and it, like Ingles is probably available, but he's like that's yeah. an expiring deal, and he's in his thirties. So it's like, all right, well, what's you know, what are you, what are you really getting out of the deal like that? No, nothing. You're not, you're not trading smart for cap space because unless you have a right. great idea that you're getting your point guard of the future, <laughs> Brad, the right. deal over the summer, then <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not going that route. Yeah. So what do you uh, think the Wizards are doing? Whatever this, like, with, like, like Code Red in, in, in Washington right now, and so like Bradley Beal, you wonder. I read some of those quotes after that Clippers collapse. He's like, we shouldn't have been back in this game in the first place. Like, I shouldn't have to slip back in. Like, they're, they're, they're falling apart, right? And they certainly can't feel good about, you know, all the good vibes from the first half of the season are gone for them. It's uh, They have two weeks for uh, Mark Bottlestein to come out and say, uh, Bradley Beal will only play for uh, the Boston Celtics. He wants to team up with Jason Tatum. And then, boom, skids are greased. They got to take whatever whatever bounty you're willing to get up, bunch of first round picks and Al, and make the contract work. Uh, and everyone can sit here and say, "Oh no, there'll be better offers out there." That's true, but no one's taking Bradley Beal when they know he can walk away in the summer and go sign with his buddy. So uh, if they want to make that a reality, if Bradley Beal can get frustrated enough, you everyone should be sitting there hoping. And I don't know because I, I don't know if people want Bradley Beal now that he's having a, yeah. a rough year. But um, if you are part of the let's make Jason Tate really happy club, which is should be a priority. Uh, yeah, you should be rooted against vehemently against uh, the Washington Wizards this week. Certainly something to watch. And the fact, I mean, the the posturing here is going to be fascinating by all parties in, on that front, especially as you look at the camp cap landscape this summer, like not a lot of teams have mm -hmm. cap room, much less max cap room. And so it's pretty much all going to be like side and trade options if, if PO does want to walk, which, you know, opens up a whole litany of other situations. But the Celtics, no matter what, will be in a position to certainly make an offer in that front, whether it's like a compelling one 
remains to be seen. And whether any of these guys we talked about today will be around for that offer will also be <laughs> a question next, in the next few weeks. Next two weeks will be wild. And I almost wish as we're doing this, we could just fast forward and, and like a sitcom screen wipes and then we find out what happens and we see either how stupid we look or uh, how smart we look because you uh, do the latter. Smart. All right. Chris Forsberg, NBC Sports Boston, pregame, postgame live. Are you, we have any more sideline? Coming up, or we we set for? You know, that's a good question. There is there is a couple of days in February that I don't know if we have a sideline report yet, so I might I might be there. But mostly, I'll just be hanging out in my WebEx box, saying nerdy numbers. I keep wanting to rebrand it. I, I think someone has the talk nerdy to me uh, mm. uh, taken out there, but I think it would be a good way to go and just go lean into analytics. I don't know if, how WebEx would feel about it, but do some research, maybe. Uh, until then, we'll be talking about. I mean, we'll probably talk about trades straight up through there. So we'll right. see how it goes. Listen, I know more about WebEx than I have in my entire life, thanks to you. Now, so the, the, the promotion <laughs> you're yeah. giving them on the project—that's worth every single penny they're spending for you guys. But as always, great stuff, Chris. Thanks for coming on, and we'll be checking back in with you um, soon. We'll see. What's your prediction here, off the air? How many trades between now uh, and two weeks? One. One. One trade. Okay. A big one? No, just by Dennis. Just by Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) Boring, most boring trade deadline deadline ever for Christmas. (laughs) All right. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll talk to you next week.